Welcome to episode 35 of the Tech Gypsies podcast. I'm Audrey Waters. And I'm Kim Lane. And we're both in Hermosa Beach. Yeah, uh, pretty uh, mellow weekend. Is it? Um, I, I'm not feeling the mellowness, but um, yeah, not traveling. <laughs> yeah, not traveling, but you're, you're working hard. I'm uh, working hard to screw off, and uh, I'm a little allergied out, so excuse my voice this time. Um, yeah, so boy, uh, I keep thinking like that eventually we're going to be able to do one of these podcasts where we have like really amazing updates about <laughs> the wonderful things that um, internet technologies are affording us. But mostly I feel like it's sort of um, same shit, different, different week or new shit, but worse shit, different week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I, I'm feeling like the next four years are just going to be rehashing a, a lot of the same kind of topics with uh, new variances and twists on on how technology is is fucking shit up. Yeah, uh, it's you know, it's I often say. I mean, as someone who often um, sort of uh, exhorts people to pay better attention to history, you know, I, I'm fairly fond of the Santiana. Um, you know, saying those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. But in some ways, it's where we sort of feel like we're at a place where those who do know history are trying really hard to do some of those same fucked up things from the past again. So it's, yeah, but it's, this is, we're in a very, a very strange moment. And as we've talked about the last, I think, probably since even before the election, we're in this very strange moment when it comes to misinformation and disinformation online. Well, and what's what's questionably uh, propaganda, some of it's propaganda as well, right? Yeah. Uh, and so I want to start off with um, what happened last weekend, um, which was a man from North Carolina walked into Comet Ping Pong in Washington, D.C., which is a really well-known pizza joint um, in northwest D.C. Um, with an assault rifle, um, and he fired at least once. Um, he said that he he told police, uh, he was white, so of course, you know, he, he lived to tell a tale. Um, he told police that he had intended to investigate a story that he'd read about on the Internet that alleged that um, Comet was being used to buy Hillary Clinton and John Podesta to run a pedophilia ring, a sex ring of children, out of this restaurant. Yeah. Um, I mean, the guy, there was a, a kind of a profile of him, I think, in the Post. Um, the New York Times, actually, strangely. It was the New York yeah. Times. But, I mean, he seemed like pretty salt of the earth guy that just really isn't that tuned into reality and and um just believed what he heard and was was genuinely concerned i guess you know but i don't know how that pencils out well uh, um the 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 interview that the new york times did with him was actually i thought it was actually really quite sad um like he said that like he was new to the internet um, but in, he said that, um, you know, this is a quote, the intel on this wasn't 100%, right? 
right? Like, um, but that he had read a bunch of sites. And this is a story that has been circulated um, on obviously some fringe sites, right? Um, I think perhaps most famously Alec Jones and Infowars. Um, but this is a completely 100% not true, made up bullshit, libelous actually story. Um, but that, that this guy believed it. Um, and that not only does this did this guy believe it, but then he decided to sort of, quote, investigate it himself um, with an assault rifle in tow. But then also this is some a story that's actually been spread online by pe- members of Donald Trump's transition team. I mean, that's the, that's the wacky part of this that that, you know, why we've been talking about this so long is is because we've been talking about the fake news, kind of the, the social media aspect. But but one layer of, of the work that I do is paying attention to this the cybersecurity realm. And I've talked about how, you know, a lot of this, this is disinformation and, and this stuff is being propagated using APIs. You know, how you manipulate Twitter and Facebook is, is very much using the APIs. And so I'm paying attention to this shit show of disinformation coming out of out of Russia as far as as far as like the cyber warfare between the US, between Israel, between all, all the countries who are who are are battling at this level now. And but like now it helped sway the election and these people uh, this this twenty six percent of the US population, li- like this guy walked into the store or into the restaurant, is is very uh because they have a lack of trust in, in industries, which I think is the is the mo- one of the motivations of like uh, the 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 Russian interest side of this and the cybersecurity is is how do you how do you weaken people's belief in in the media and what's going on and then Alex Jones Rush Limbaugh and these these people who have these these radio spots and these that that these people uh, love listening to and then and then the spread of disinformation on social media kind of further it uh, backs this up but all of this is feeding like this it's not just about the election and fake news it's about cyber warfare and cyber uh you know cyber disinformation and 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 some of these people who are part of this propaganda and this this spreading of disinformation actually have ties to Russia you know which makes the the propaganda linkage for me well um i i want to talk more about um the the Russia the Russia piece um in in a sec but i just want to so the piece that actually i find um that I think that a lot of folks are not really pushing on is that we've told a story for quite some time now that um, um, Islamic terrorists in particular, um, ISIS, for example, Al-Qaeda, are using the Internet in order to radicalize young men. So, right, using the Internet, using social media quite effectively to tell a certain story that may or not be true, um, but to convince convince young men um, through their through this sort of social media consumption through this consumption of online um, uh, disinformation largely but certainly propaganda maybe is the better word through propaganda to sort of take things into their own hands right so this is actually a story that we know really well when we talk about um, Islamic terrorism but we actually aren't using that same sort of we aren't necessarily talking about what happened to this this 28 year old North Carolina kid the same way who said like I read a bunch of stuff online he became radicalized um, 
and took an assault rifle into this restaurant. And this week, you know, in in South Carolina, the trial of Dylan Roof started, the white supremacist who walked into the Mother Emanuel Church and um, shot a bunch of people during a prayer meeting. Similar story. He read a bunch of information online, um, found he was radicalized, quote-unquote radicalized, by the things that he'd read online through white supremacy, white, white nationalist sites, and decided to become a terrorist. Right? But we don't label them terrorists because of, <laughs> I think, because they're white men, but there is something happening where, where we see the sort of radicalization of young men that I think is worth thinking about. And we're thinking about, I think maybe we'll talk, touch on this at some point in this podcast too, like what are the, what are the responsibilities of the, the social media platforms and internet companies to address this sort of content? It, it, do they have an obligation? And what content gets labeled as the sort of terrorist content. Um, I think it's a really, and I think it's wrapped up in misinformation, sure, but there's something about this sort of um, radicalization. And the fact, I think the fact that I find so frightening is that what we're seeing is that this is not simple, this is actually something that is embraced rather than rejected by now the incoming administration, right? Who is, who is sort of, trades in lies and misinformation just sort of as as a normal sort of course like everything that comes out of his of Donald Trump's mouth is a lie press releases statements that he releases they can't even go a sentence without lying like he absolutely is sort of is exemplifies this sort of misinformation, but then it's misinformation in the service, again, of radicalizing this violent behavior by young men. Um, and I find that to be, I mean, that's, to me, that's like this sort of, this violent part of it that's not just about what happens online in a, in a cyber warfare, right? This actually has material consequences for, for living, for living beings who are eating pizza at a fucking restaurant in, you know, in DC. It's wild. Well, that, 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 uh, racial, racial bias that's built into this and, 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 and the, the blindness that comes from that you, you mentioned that we're, because we're, you know, the, the, the GOP kind of the conservative line has been radical Islamic terrorism and focusing on brown people and Islam and ignoring this this homegrown you know white um, terrorism that's going on locally, um, and and blind blind to that, you're also amplifying the racial lines when it comes to uh, black crimes and and um, you know the military ignoring the militarization of police because we're because you're applying that same sort of blindness to to uh, people of color who live here in this country in that line, and 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 you're not you're not acknowledging that the police are being radicalized and militarized along this and then for me the most troubling that ties up again back to russia is is because uh we're so focused on this 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 racial uh discrepancy and this this blindness that we're we're willing to find affinity with fucking putin and forget the last like 40 50 years that russia is our fucking enemy and we cannot trust them and we're willing to like ignore all of this disinformation and propaganda it, willing to ignore that our fucking election was just fucking uh influenced by russia 
because we're so willing to get the, uh, you know, they're so willing to have their team member, their winning team member be in office. Yeah. So, um, so let's, let's, um, step back a bit and sort of run through what we, what we know, what we, what we know and what we don't know. So on Wednesday, President Obama ordered an investigation um, with all of the various um, intelligence from all of the various intelligence agencies um, must conduct an investigation into the um, cyber attacks, hacking, um, whatever, uh, hacking attacks, I suppose, um, involving the election and leave and issue a report before he leaves office. So um, we've known for some time that uh, that these things were going on. There was reporting over the summer from various agencies that um, things were happening. Sometimes they were downplayed in the media. Sometimes they weren't. Sometimes certain presidential candidates um, actually came out and said, wouldn't it be great if there was more of that? So um, it's we uh, there and then after Obama's announcement, uh, the CIA or someone from the CIA leaked information that said um, what we know isn't simply that Russia wanted to sort of destabilize confidence in the election, which was one of the arguments we'd heard earlier this summer, but they actually were working to get Trump elected. So these are really serious charges um, that. Uh, Charges that seem to that other people and other prominent officials have come out and said that they don't agree with. Um, many uh, uh, analysts talking off the record say that that is what happens. Um, we certainly know that Russia was involved in something. Um, but now what I fear um, is that we've also got this moment where we have you know, you mentioned the misinformation and disinformation and conspiracy theories on the right, right, that, you know, Hillary Clinton is running a sex ring out of a pizza restaurant in D.C., but now we've got these sort of conspiracy theories and misinformation and disinformation happening from the Democrats as well, that somehow Putin is actually in control of the country. So I don't, I mean, I, I think that, um, I don't know, it feels as though there's a lot of disinformation um, in play right now. And I don't say that to downplay the, 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 the Russian, the, 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 what we know about the Russian involvement, but very quickly it's sort of spun into this like Donald Trump is like the Manchurian candidate. Um, and it's just, I don't want to put, you know, I don't want to get too far down that um, analysis partly because it's, it's incredibly frightening. And I think, um, it, it just means that we have so many people in government right now who are utterly treasonous. Well, yeah, I mean, and that's the part that really worries me is that we're living in this 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 frack free world, this disinformation world, and I think that's their that's the mission of all of, of this. Yeah, all of this is to just destabilize and make it so no one fucking trusts anybody, and you can't believe anything that you hear, even from you know institutions like the right feels you can't listen to the New York Times, you can't listen to Politifact, you can't listen to the, any of these institutions that that we're using to fact check and, and kind of uh, provide some anchor of trust well, and, in where and now, we go for information. And now Trump says you can't trust the intelligence agencies, which is yeah. wild. 
Um, which, <laughs> which is wild actually, because, and, and again, peddling a lie saying that the CIA, um, that the CIA lied about, um, uh, Iraqi, um, uh, weapons, weapons of, weapons mass, of destruction. mass destruction, because of course the CIA did not lie about <laughs> that, um, Dick Cheney and the Republicans, um, in a concerted effort with the media, but certainly with small factions within the security um, uh, groups, pushed a different narrative over the narrative, the analysis that the CIA had. I mean, it's just, a, this is a clusterfuck. This is a clusterfuck of what's weird to me is that this, this shit happens all the time. Like, this is sort of spy 101. Like, and the United States of America does this shit all the time around the rest of the world. Like, we are... We are constantly undermining, quote-unquote, free and democratic elections around the world. We are constantly engaged in subterfuge with the reality and the um, misreality and misinformation and disinformation of what other countries experience in terms of democracy and what other countries hear in terms of the media. So um, it's a bit odd that somehow people are like so shocked that this that this is a thing that could happen um but also it is i mean i actually understand that it is incredibly <laughs> it's incredibly shocking to live in this moment um if you've never perhaps looked at um the history of the cia um and and, and recognize that this is actually now happening in the united states but what's what's wacky about this and this kind of reflects the election like you know I was blown away by during uh, uh, the the debates how Trump could be talking about leaked information as one side of his argument, and Hillary was talking about policy and 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 actual things that need to happen, and that 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 discrepancy between those two realities of debating on public on CBS or public television during the the the, the primaries um, or the general election, excuse me, um, and but like. Trump is coming in. I mean, it's one thing for people to go, oh, I don't believe what the New York Times says because they're run by a bunch of Jews, to the incoming, the president-elect saying, oh, fuck the CIA. We don't trust them yeah, I don't, as an institution. Yeah, I don't take intelligence briefings because I'm smarter than them. I mean, that, holy shit. Like, I don't even know how to fucking reconcile that. Again, it's like a whole nother level. It's like, you know, and they're, and they're putting at that same level of... The disinformation we're saying about, you know, the FBI agent being killed in, in Colorado that we talked about in previous weeks to the, the, the pizza place in, in, in D.C. to they're, they're saying the same for, about other government agencies that they're not trustworthy and like just further eroding trust at a massive, massive scale. Yeah. And I think to me, this is the great the, the piece of that's that's utterly um, destabilizing. Right. That because, um, again, like I I. I don't want to minimize the the horror of and the utterly undemocratic um, results of what ha- what what has happened if indeed the Russian government has actively worked to get Trump elected. I don't want to I don't want to minimize that, but also um, you know I I think that I, I mean I think I think that what what we're what we're I don't also don't want to sort of give too much credit to 
Putin as this absolute mastermind, or even, I mean, I think that, or even Trump as this amazing mastermind. Uh, I think, that, I mean, it certainly, although then again, it really looked bad to have the day after the news, the news come out that the, that the Russians wanted and helped elect Trump, that Trump chooses as his secretary of state, someone with deep, deep ties to Putin, um, the head of ExxonMobil. So, um, uh, it's, it's really, I don't know it, it all, but I do think you're right. I think that this is about destabilizing people's confidence. Um, and I think that it's in that moment of destabilization that that's, uh, that's actually how authoritarian fascism gets its roots in, right? Authoritarian fascism, um, doesn't really succeed when people have, confidence in the future, when they have confidence in institutions, when they have confidence. Um, uh, it's when people are feeling really frightened and really unsafe that they turn to the sort of um, authoritarian leader. Yeah. I mean, that's already started. I mean, I think the whole, the, the peddling fear and of, of brown people and, and, and those others over there has, is nothing new. But this election was really built on that. But now I think fear and, and distrust in everything. I mean, uh, government agencies, news outlets, you can't trust anything. Social media, back to what you're saying about, you know, how how can uh, these platforms, you know, address, you know, and think about this and, and how they're going to, you know, everyone keeps saying, you know, they're going to apply machine learning, artificial intelligence. They have ways of, of filtering out the, the users and Twitter's going to, uh, you know, you know, they've closed up these alt right accounts, and you hear the next week, well, uh, well, they just uh, approved them and and gave them back to them, and they're verified, and so it's like, you know, how can these these platforms start addressing this when you don't even know, you know, where is it? Is it is it terrorism? Is it is it rad radical Islam? Is it disinformation? Is it alt right? You know, what are you filtering out here? And what are you going after? You're going after religious speaker, you know, and, and then pretty soon, like uh, the Facebooks and Twitters are doing what we pointed out that they shouldn't be doing, you know, a couple a month or two ago about filtering, you know, targeting people of color with advertising campaigns. Now we're, you know, going to be giving tools to people so you can avoid advertising on Breitbart or, you know, any of their pages because you don't agree with their, you know, so basically you're building in filtering and, and the people win, you know, the people, uh, you know, that, that are looking to destabilize and further, those people, you know, not the people. Yeah. <laughs> those, those people. people. Yeah. yeah. No. So the, um, news came out on, uh, at the beginning of this week that, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Google, and Microsoft were going to work together in order to address some of these things. Again, as you said, sort of algorithmically, technically, right? This is working on a technical solution. So the technical solution is to identify that is that once identify once quote unquote extremist content is identified, um, that they would that they would um, create a database that would sort of um, give a unique identifier to this content, and then it would make it easier for programmatically um, this information to be yanked across the internet. Right. So, if a video, if a, if a video, if a video is found to c contain "quote unquote" extremist content on YouTube, that YouTube could put it in the database, and then 
very easily Facebook, Microsoft, Twitter could ensure that that content did not appear um, on on their platforms. So, I mean, there are, and that, that part of it, okay, right? Um, it's a very similar, it's a very similar tactic to what happens with, with how copyright, to the copyright protection works, right? So, um, that makes it super easy for, um, you know, big movie studios, for example, to yank, uh, to, to get content yanked when, when people upload pirated versions of, of, of movies or music videos or what have you, the sort of um, uh, digital fingerprint on, on, on copyright protected material. So that's not necessarily a, techni- a technical breakthrough um, um, per se. This is something that these companies have the capability that they've had already. But now when you get to this question of, you know, what counts as quote unquote extremist content, and again, we put the side by side with a willingness to sort of come up with lists of websites that are fake, that contain fake news, lists of websites that that peddle fake news, um, lists of content that we consider fake content. And it gets really, it gets really tricky really quickly. Um, and already, you know, even if we, if we look at the, the, the practices that occur around yanking copyright, copyrighted material, we already know how flawed that is, right? So when people do things that are legally protected, right, when they remix things, when they use copyrighted material in a fair use way, sometimes that stuff still gets picked up um, algorithmically, programmatically, and people get their accounts flagged and shut down. Um, you know, Jim Groom, for example, is sort of perma-banned from YouTube um, because of doing a lot of remixes, um, which is, he is legally, you know, he is, that is legally protected speech, um, but the algorithm doesn't, doesn't see that. So we have to sort of think really critically, what does it mean to, um, to have, to have this, a programmatic identifica- identification of quote-unquote extremist content, and then an algorithmic um, yanking of that material, like is that that is like what does that do? Well, and what you know when you know it's like you were saying earlier. It's when you talk about you know inciting uh, violence or or you know inciting that that guy to go to to DC to the pizza place. You know what kind of speech is doing that? I mean, Donald Trump is <laughs> is tweeting that shit well, out right now. Yeah, I mean ex- exactly. I, I I mean I think that this is. This is always the slippery slope. And I don't want to say, I don't want to, when I say a slippery slope, I don't mean that there's nothing we can do. I don't mean to toss my hands up and say that all speech should be protected speech and that it's all y'all awesome for you. Say what you want, do what you want, show what you want, um, you know, create create uh, snuff video content. You have the, you know, you have the right to create snuff um, but uh, at the same time, I think we should need we do need to recognize that um, the way in which these sort of decisions of what counts as extremism play out play out ideolo- ideologically on their own. Um, I mean, is extremist content again? Is extremist content going to be simply the stuff that we identify with um, um, with uh, Islamic terrorism? Um, is extremist content some of the anti-abortion videos that are that also peddle in a bunch of misinformation about what happens at Planned Parenthood? Remember, there was a guy last year who, similar to this this young man from North Carolina who went up to the Comet uh, Pizza Place, this man in, in Colorado was convinced that the that 
um, at a Planned Parenthood, um, uh, at Planned Parenthood there that they were sort of butchering babies and selling off baby parts. I mean, he'd seen it online, right? He'd seen it, he'd read about it, um, on the, on the internet. So is that extremist content? Um, and, or, or, you know, can we, can we sort of assume based on, again, the, the, um, the beliefs of the current administration that, 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 that kind of stuff is, is a-okay? Um, and the extremists, extremists might actually be those labeled those who um, who believe in climate change, right? So the you know this this week um, the I think it was members of the or employees of the Department of Energy were asked to fill out questionnaires about you know have you now or in the past ever been a climate scientist, right? So the sort of McCarthy level of asking a bunch of questions about people's ideological or political affinities around climate change and a decision or, you know, suggestions perhaps that there's going to be a purge of people from federal, a purge of federal employees who believe in climate change. And of course, again, we know that this, this, these kind of beliefs can also be derived algorithmically. And I mean, and I mean, what happens when... I mean, we start seeing this trickle out of some agencies where this ideology bubbles up via Twitter out of out of these these agencies and and First Amendment. I mean, does apply to the government agencies, but doesn't apply to Twitter and it doesn't apply to Facebook. Like they they're able to filter out whatever they want, and at what point do they reach that threshold where what's coming out of the government or coming out of these agencies or play you know a specific leadership. Um, you know, crosses this threshold. Yeah, no, I think that, I mean, and I think that we saw several examples of it this week alone with um, Donald Trump's, Donald Trump's own behavior on on Twitter, right? Calling out specific individuals by name, citizens, not, not, you know, and like, not, not politicians, um, but, private citizens calling them out by name and then you know immediately these folks are uh, um, experience experience death threats and and harassment so at what at what point does you know at what point does Donald Trump lose his Twitter his what at what point does Donald Trump get banned from Twitter for violating the terms of service and can you believe that we have to fucking ask this question about the president-elect of the United States yeah, it's a, uh, uh, it's this whole nother level side. I just can't even wrap my head around. I mean, I guess we're gonna be talking about. I mean, not just the fake news. I mean, just elevating to, uh, you know, really really scary levels. But technology continuing to provide this bullhorn that is 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 so distur- You know, algorithmically disturbing. Well, I mean, and and as you said, this is you know, it's technology really facilitating this sort of destabilization. Right. Technology actually really. um, And I think despite, you know, despite all this talk that we've heard for for decades now from from those in Silicon Valley, from those who really want to believe that the Internet and the Web are are technologies of liberation. Right. That in order to free people, in order to free people, give them access to Facebook in order to free people give them access to Google, that these are going to be transformative technologies that bring about, you know, democracy and sort of 
um, information utopia. And I think we're really seeing that these, that instead, that these are actually forces for, for destabilization themselves. Um, there's, they are, it's not about, it's not really a matter of sort of information overload. Like that's not actually the, the right way to cut it. It's, it's that the, these are actually forces for, for misinformation and to actually exacerbate um, polarization. And I, as we wrap up, I just want to give a shout out to um, Mike Caulfield, who's been named the, uh, what's, what's the name of his thing? So he's been named like a digital fellow, no, I can't remember, a fellow of the AASCU's American Democracy Project, and he's going to be focusing on digital polarization. He's going to be working on a project um, to sort of help students, um, sort of sort of a students as sort of building their own openly distributed sort of Snopes, right? But, but um, Mike recognizes that I think and I think this is a painful, again, this is a painful recognition for many of us that wanted to believe in the democratic um, possibilities of these technologies, that what we're seeing instead is absolutely a polarization and a fracturing um, of, of people um, because of these tools, because of algorithms, because of harassment, because of misinformation, because of hacking because of the vulnerabilities, both security vulnerabilities and information vulnerabilities, the institutional vulnerabilities, that rather than, again, rather than sort of making things better, that actually these technologies um, are making things a lot more dangerous. I told you so. Yeah. I, I, his, his project makes me happy in that it, it's been elevated to... Uh, digital polarization, you know, uh, beyond just, you know, cyber anything, fake news, fake anything, um, any party or anything, that this is a, about the polarization that technology is enabling. And then secondarily that it's, he's focusing on the youth, because I really feel like that's where the hope, only hope in this lies is, is, is helping equip them. Um, and, and cause we've got a, we're going to have a big fucking mess to clean up and they're going to be at the forefront of that. And they're going to need to be equipped to, to understand how technology is fucking us in so, so many yeah, ways. Yeah. I mean, I would, I would, I would add, I mean, I think that, you know, this is, I would say not necessarily youth, but, I, um, I would say that students, um, students and faculty really, I think that the mission, like this is, this is absolutely in the service of sort of open research, open pedagogy that, um, that I find myself sort of politically, like this is like students and faculty, um, and researchers should be thinking about information in this sort of way. And this to me is, you know, I think we spend a lot of time in, in academia, um, doing stuff that's, um, or, or, or forgetting that we can actually do stuff that has, um, real material consequences on the way in which people think about knowledge and so to have students um, to have students work on a project that's actually sort of improving improving our own habits and practices around knowledge consumption and knowledge creation, and, and I think you know for me blogging as part of this is 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 a is a public practice um, to that end. But I think that that's that's really important. And so instead of you know and you know instead of saying that like you know 
this accusation that schools are these isolated worlds that aren't, or isolated places that aren't in touch with the real world. This is actually a, an activist practice that says not only are we in touch with the real world, but we're here to help help everybody um, help everybody navigate this. So, wow, amen. I like that. That's a. I think that reflects the message that I like to hear coming out of this podcast. That that uh, um, so we'll be following Mike's work closely. All right. Till next week, then. Yes.